Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The following program is presented by the Nerdy Show Podcast Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by A Comic Shop, Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination, and with the generous support of listeners like you. To learn how you can support this and other fine geek programming, visit nerdyshow.com. I'm Robert Venditti, the writer of Exo Man of War and Green Lantern, and you're listening to Nerdy Show. Welcome to Nerdy Show, a weekly podcast dedicated to every facet of nerddom, from comics and video games to science and technology. If it's geeky, we've got it covered. I'm your host, Cap, and in this episode, I'm going to be joined by a host of hosts from the Nerdy Show Network to talk about DC Comics on TV. Of course, DC has a long history of ruling the small screen, from the 1950s Superman show to Adam West and Linda Carter's portrayals of Batman and Wonder Woman, but a full historical perspective isn't why we're here today. If you're a regular listener of Nerdy Show, or even just a mild-mannered comics reader, you're no doubt familiar with the comics company's dubious track record of late. But when it comes to TV, for some reason, that's where they shine. So in this episode, we're discussing the modern era of DC TV, beginning with the animated universe and continuing on what's currently on, and what's to come. But that's not all. We're also touching on a recent shakeup at DC that may mark the beginning of a bold new era for their comics. First up is our discussion on the DC Animated Universe, which is a listener-requested microsode. That's where you support Nerdy Show via our Patreon and get to decide what we talk about for 15 minutes. Joining me for this discussion is... I'm Laval. I'm the Nerdy Show Live Programming Director. I'm Tony Baldini. I draw things and I'm a big fan of what we're about to talk about. And I'm Matt from Nerdy Show. Thanks, Tony. Thanks for, like, you know, undermining the fandom of the rest of us. Sorry. <laughs> Ethan and Caitlin Kruger would like us to talk about the DC Animated Universe. They said, let's make them talk about the DC Animated Universe. Batman the Animated Series, Superman the Animated Series, Justice League, Justice League Unlimited, Static Shock, Batman Beyond, and Zeta Project. I'm not sure if Zeta Project really counts. I mean, it's in the same universe. Anyway, we'll debate that. Add in any of the shows I missed. Go wild. We'd love to hear which series you liked and why. We really like old retired Batman and Batman Beyond. Did you? Short answer, yes. Oh my god, I'm just going to go ahead and say, for what series we liked, I think I'm safe in assuming all of them. The DC animated universe, to me, is essentially everything they've been doing wrong with these recent films. They've been doing right for the past 20 years in the animated world. Though the universe has changed hands now, what they had, what Paul Dini and Bruce Timm created with Batman the Animated Series and beyond. (laughs) It's incredible. They bookended that series. It is. From Batman the Animated Series to the end of Justice League Unlimited was a a very neat package. In its own kind of perfect way. I'm in the uh, very unique situation in which I've just started. I'm on Batman the Animated Series. I'm coming up on the end of it. And it's my first real continuous exposure through it. Like I picked up like a few episodes here and there. But I'm just thoroughly enjoying every minute of it. That's incredible. I've known very few people who've experienced Batman the Animated Series for the first time as adults. I envy you, Matt. It must be pretty wild. It really is. And I've always heard so much about like how unique of a animated series it was and like the colors and the tone and everything else. And I keep on looking up stuff about the production of the show. It's so interesting. Like it's been great. Really good experience. I think it's it's that like the whole city for once Batman actually fits with Gotham and Gotham really fits with Batman. Gotham City itself is like the entirety is like the psyche of Batman and everything he does. It's insane. It's like almost like Dark City. It is the best Gotham I've seen. Yeah. It's the best rendition. And the idea of doing the show on black paper, like drawing on that, that's brilliant. Whoever had that. Yeah, I actually, I was, I was going to ask just to double check that because I know you you mentioned you were looking into that more recently than I have. I remember that black paper thing and it blows my mind because it means they were essentially just working on negatives the entire time. It's so you can make the black blacker. It actually is. And believe it or not, they use a similar technique on Clerks the Cartoon. Oh, Go weird. Figure. Yeah. I, I don't believe it, but that's, that's got to be true. <laughs> well, he's a big Batman fan, so it's probably why. Just saying. I mean, he did name his daughter Harley Quinn. 
that's which was really originated in Batman the animated series Dovetail and, and is a and is a domestic uh, abuse victim. That's totally a great thing to name your daughter. So anyway, <laughs> fast forward because um, so Batman critical. Batman the animated series is fantastic. It really is. It was the first time that we got. I mean, it gave us the current kind of incarnation of the Doctor Freeze backstory. Made him a legitimate villain. It's Mister Freeze. He never got his PhD. It, it streamlined. It streamlined everything because Batman prior to the animated series on the comic books was a broken, fractured fuck mess. Oh, yeah. And only via the success of the unified world of Batman the Animated Series did it correct itself before it was, you know, ultimately rebooted in the new 52. But they fixed Clayface. They fixed Mr. Freeze. They fixed so many things. And, of course, they created Harley Quinn. It bled over into mainstream Batman because it was so prevalent. And can I take a moment just as a fan of animation, that Clayface episode, which featured Ron Perlman as the voice of the eponymous Clayface, as he's switching from face to face to face of characters, that is still one of the most breathtaking pieces of American animation I've seen in the past 20 years. It is absolutely you know, gorgeous. I always thought he looked like the uh, molasses monster or caramel monster or whatever from Candyland. Nobody else? Well, he is an actor, so it, it makes sense that after after doing a gig on the TV show, he, I mean, he's got to pay them bills, Laval. Um, since we since it's a microsode, if it's okay with everybody, like to jump a little bit forward in Batman yeah, we, Animated we Series. Let's do it. Uh, Batman Beyond, a seamless reintegration of Batman, the way that they introduce Terry McGinnis and everything, and that you still have Batman, and Batman can't fucking stop being Batman to the point where he makes somebody else be Batman. And he never lets him be his own Batman. He's always just pulling the strings. He's like, no, no, this is what I would do. So this is what you need to do. It's just funny because he's a, uh, what do you call those? Like an armchair quarterback kind of thing. <laughs> and, uh, it's just a, it's a wheelchair. Yeah, yeah, exactly. A, a yeah. posturepedic chair quarterback. Yeah. Actually, it's funny you said wheelchair. I don't want to correct you. But it's one of the coolest things about Bruce Wayne. He refuses to settle in a wheelchair, even though he clearly can't walk. And he has that cane. And you're like, oh, this frail old man until the one point when somebody stupidly tries to kidnap Bruce Wayne because like, oh, we're going to get money. And he just beats the snot out of them, <laughs> um, clearly like re-breaking the leg or whatever he's done to himself. And it's the one time you actually kind of see Bruce Wayne be really physically vulnerable. But at the same time, he's deadly and lethal. He's a shithead. He will not quit. The first episode when Terry first meets him, it's as he's beating the shit out of a yeah. ton of Jokers. Yes. Which, so another good. piece of fun trivia, mm -hmm. lead Joker was voiced by Bruce Tim. Really? Weird. Yeah. Because they, they were trying to find the right voice for him. He laid down a temp track and they just stuck with it. Now, Damn. Batman Beyond, when it first came out, I was ready to hate it. And here's why. I was just a kid, but I was like, ah, oh, this seems like such a cash-in. I mean, I sat through Phantom 2099 and I liked it okay. Uh -huh. This just seems silly. I didn't know that the original creators of Batman the Animated Series were involved. All it took was a couple episodes and I was all in because it had all the character of Batman, but completely new. And it was so shway. It was so It was, it was, it was so very shway. And yeah. crazily enough, was just designed to sell toys. Still managed <laughs> to have a really compelling story. And I, I actually looked into this a little bit recently. The That's first great. season, I think it only ran for two, right? Only two uh, seasons? Technically, it was two. It was a very long first season. Was, and then it jumps into... Netflix haven't broken up into four or something? Or they, the, yeah, it hasn't broken up by the DVD oh, okay. volume. Gotcha, gotcha. And you know what, though? I don't think I ever bought a Batman Beyond toy. Yeah, I was going to say... And that's why it got <laughs> shit-canned. I guess because they didn't sell any. But what's amazing about it is, like you said, it's a different setting. It's a whole different fucking world. But it's like you're watching Batman the Animated Series all over again, even though clearly it's more vibrant. It's bright. It's kind of cheesy at times. But all it's changed is the era and the setting. Batman's still very much Batman, even though he's somebody else completely. Did a great job of playing with the legacy of the character and the villains you'd have pop up. Let's talk about Superman. Let's actually was about to jump over to that. Oh, I was going to use that Justice League Batman Beyond episode. Well, I mean, that, that's the <laughs> end piece for the entire it is, continuum. Yeah. Superman the Animated Series is difficult. It mm. never reached quite the same level of... Not even close. ...critical acclaim. Yeah. Still had some of those storytelling elements along the way, but they were far more scattered. Well, I enjoyed the hell out of it just because I'm a fan of the Big Blue Boy Scout. Matt, are you planning on indulging in the full spectrum of the DC? Oh, yeah. Animated? I'm going from start to finish. So have you taken in any Superman yet? No, I haven't. I'm hitting that this week. Okay. I do recall being younger, coming across the Superman episode. I believe it was Superman episode. I'm not sure. Essentially, uh, Bruce Wayne was missing, or Batman was missing, rather. Spoiler. Robin was still... Oh, I mean, should we be spoiling? No, 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 no. I was just joking. Bruce Wayne, Batman thing. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember coming in late. I'm not sure if they revealed early on that it was just uh, Superman posing. That sounds really as a 
Batman. And then it wasn't until Brainiac blasts Batman and you're like, holy shit, Batman just got blasted. And it rips off to the Superman logo. And you're like, whoa, it was amazing. Like, it was an incredible episode when I was younger. And I don't know how I didn't jump in at that point. <laughs> I, I, it's funny, Matt. I remember it's actually one of my favorite episodes. That was a high watermark. It was. It absolutely was. Because you've got the Tim Drake Robin running along with him. There's a scene where he like perfectly imitates Bruce's voice to get into a, a secure area and it freaks Robin out. And then he speaks to Robin in Robin's voice. And one of the hallmark moments is when Batman goes up against Bane and Bane is all venomed out. And all of a sudden Batman's going toe to toe with Bane and Bane's just like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> he literally says, what the fuck, man? He did, got, which was really, I mean, they, <laughs> but he said it in Spanish. The thing about Superman is that what's funny is Batman the Animated Series was based so strongly off of the Fleischer Superman cartoons. Mm hmm. And the Superman animated series has none of the atmosphere or charm of the Superman Fleischer cartoons, as far as I'm concerned. I think that Batman took all of it and that barely any of it carried over. I mean, obviously the color palette's different, and it should mm -hmm. be different because we're dealing with Metropolis. It's the antithesis of Gotham. But there was so much less characterization right. and stylized features. I mean, yes, it had the similar deco style, but the whole feeling of the Superman show... It just didn't connect. To me, it was a representation of why Superman could be perceived as bland, because while it had so many things working for it, it still managed to never be as strong a show as Batman. In the same way that Gotham was the psyche of Batman, you know, like it was almost like a visual representation of what's going on inside Batman's head. Metropolis should be the psyche of Superman. Like every superhero fits in a city, mm -hmm. you know, and I don't know that Superman animated series ever caught that. And maybe it's just because a vision of Superman would just literally be like the Empire State Building painted in red, white, and blue. I mean, I don't know if maybe doing that is too, you know, nail on the head. But at the same time, like, that's almost what was necessary. And it never seemed like the city, the metropolis itself, never had a chance to shine. Part of what I feel is wrong, well, not necessarily wrong with the Superman series, but there were some episodes that really got it. There were some episodes where you had a really cool exploration of the character. The first episode of the series takes place almost entirely on Krypton and shows you the fall. There was an episode with Mixia Spitlick, which was phenomenal. It was not a shway, though. You had the first appearance of Darkseid. I mean, they had a lot of good stuff that was going on with the series. You just had a lot of shit, too. So it was kind of, it was in between. Filler, lots of filler. Yeah. And, and, and the mistake, the horrible mistake of doing Kyle Rayner as a Green Lantern the way they did, mm. it just spoke to me as a young artist i will never say anything bad about that episode as an older artist than you were at the time it <laughs> felt really fucking weak <laughs> i loved it i loved it and i loved <laughs> the fact that h jordan was on one of the ships at the end for the mm. sake of the continuity wish it had been john stewart but i mean it, it all fit obviously they made it fit but i feel superman ushered in the style changes to batman which again i think most of the time the revisions they made where they made it more stylized actually detracted from what they had that worked about batman to begin with wasn't a fan i don't know if anybody else feels that way but in Justice League, everything that they kind of, not broke, but it wasn't quite working about the animated universe, just pulled together Justice League powerfully. is such a strong series. The characters, the arcs, the stories told, the, the art direction itself. This is just making me want to go back and watch more DCAU stuff. <laughs> it never captured me, though, quite like Batman the Animated Series or Batman Beyond. I'm going to admit to you that once that kind of stuff hit, I didn't actually follow up with Justice League. Now I'm going to, of course. Now that I've heard some pretty good things about it. You know how it goes down. Yeah, I know, I know that part. And I would okay. say, I mean, the first season of Justice League, it was still kind of finding its footing. From the second season on, all the way through Justice League Unlimited, it is nothing but just knocking it out of the park. And see, when I was a kid, there was way too much competition for my TV time. <laughs> I missed out on a lot of stuff because, like, the first few episodes were weak, and I went, ah, fuck this. Yeah, the first um, season is a little tepid, but, but man, once it hits its stride, it hits Now that hard. I'm an adult and I have a better attention span, I'm going to go back and review it. I feel so bad for poor young Tony who was sitting there watching the first <laughs> couple episodes of Justice League and going, who the hell, where, where's Hal Jordan? Where's Kyle? Yeah. I saw Kyle in that other episode. Who's this guy? What happened with the Green Lantern? Did I miss an episode? I thought this was the premiere. What's going on? Why is he on trial? Not Shway. Not Shway. <laughs> Can we make Shway happen? We can. I, I, John West, our SciTech correspondent, has been trying really hard. I'm going to monitor the forums. That's so shway, man. And I don't know what sort of incentive to give away, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something really cool if everybody just starts using the word shway on the Nerdy Show forums. Is that shway? Toad shway, bruh. I just got to ask, if Batman Beyond and Sonic the Hedgehog were to have a crossover, would that be shway past cool? No. Oh, God, I threw up in my mouth. You're welcome, ladies and gentlemen, courtesy of Tony Baldini. From my mouth to your <laughs> Tony ears. Baldini, live from the Tropicana. All right. Woo! So if you guys have listened to all these massive spoilers about the joys of the DC animated universe, uh, we'll link to all the succulent stuff so you can check it out. Or if you want to revisit it, of course, you can find the links on this episode's page. 
And, of course, the Kruger siblings mentioned Static Shock and Zeta Project, both of which were very independent. Zeta Project was kind of a spinoff. Zeta the dude from Batman Beyond, the robot? Yeah. I just saw that episode where he comes back. Yeah. And I thought it was cool how it's another villain that Batman created his own villain in a way. But he turns out to kind of needing his help. But it's really good. Like, Zeta's one of my favorite characters well, from Batman Beyond. There was an entire television series called The Zeta I Project. I need to pick that up. I don't remember it being very good. And in oh. fact, I don't really think many people involved with the animated universe were involved mm. with it enough to make it more than a footnote. That's not very shway. Um, it wasn't too shway. I could be wrong, but as I recall, it was not particularly shway. Anyhow... Uh, we'll have links to where you can pick up all that stuff. Static was good. It was great. It was a lot of fun. And also, the Batman animated universe, both the redesigns and the original designs, are getting some much-needed love, and DC is producing high-quality action figures. Oh, uh, so pretty. They're gorgeous. We'll uh, have a link to the article we wrote about them with pictures on this episode's page. So, thanks so much to the Krugers. And if you haven't checked these out, or if you're in need of revisiting the glory of the DC animated universe, uh, you know what to do. Nerdy Show Amazon. That's exactly right. Oh, what, what? Was that too on the nose? A little. Not shway? <laughs> no, it's totally no, shway. No, that was super shway. No, it's super shway. It, you know what else is super shway? What's that? Purchasing any products on Amazon through the Nerdy Show links. Yeah, that's totally shway. If you totally guys want to be shway like us. <laughs> like the man said, for optimal shwayness, you can follow the links on this episode's page to all the shows we talked about or are about to talk about, and your purchase will give back to Nerdy Show. Or you can just head to nerdyshow.com slash Amazon and fill up your cart with whatever you want. We're entirely listener-supported. And Amazon is one of the many ways you can help us fund this show, Nerdy FM, or any of the awesome shows on the network. If you'd like a microsoft of your own, just head to patreon.com slash nerdyshow and become an elite member of our monthly supporters. Not only do you get awesome outtakes, early episode releases, and other bonus content, but you can get in on the monthly drawings to get a microsoft. I mentioned Nerdy FM. That's our streaming nerd music radio station at nerdy.fm. If you haven't yet, you should totally pick up our free app, for Apple and Android, and you can groove to the best nerdy music 24-7 anywhere. Now we're going to cut to a track by a recent addition to Nerdy FM. When we get back, we're going to talk about the current generation of live-action DC shows. This is from Hot Dad, who you may also know as YouTube sensation Dotflist, who posts what are allegedly high-quality openings to TV shows, but in fact, all the music is completely wrong. Here's his theme for Superman, the animated series. Superman's here to keep the crime away. He'll fight him all night, he'll fight him all day. Inextricably linked to the man Clark Kent. The Daily Planet newspaper pays his rent. He can fly and do lots of other shit. He protects the city of Metropolis. Lois Lane has the key to his heart. And kryptonite causes him to fall apart. He's got guts, and that's the truth. Stopping evil when it's on the loose. He's an honest man, a great lover too. I know what gives his life for you. With a heart of gold Can't shoot him cause he's bulletproof He won't stop and he's really nice Lex Luthor's gonna pay the price The city has been overrun by violence I just don't feel safe here anymore Someone should do something Someone should help What do you mean there's nothing we can do, Superman? Quit playing Xbox 360 and do your fucking job! This next discussion is not just an audio podcast. It's a video podcast, too. Check it out on Nerdy Show's YouTube channel or follow the link on this episode's page to see us in the Nerdy Show studio talking about DC TV. Tony's still with me, but also joining us are Flame On and Derpy Show's finest. Hey, I'm Boar. And hello, I'm Brian. We're going to be talking about DC's current television shows. I.e. what they're getting right. Right. The, the only, only thing. The only thing DC Comics is getting correct they, they're not even getting their own comics correct. They're definitely not getting their films correct. But these TV shows, they're actually pretty good. So we're going to talk today Wait, about... We're going to talk about Gotham, too. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> the, the, not perfect. But by comparison, whew, wow, so much better. So, okay, this current era of uh, DC comic properties and television started in 2012 with Arrow, riding kind of on the coattails of the last couple seasons of Smallville, where mm -hmm. they started bringing more superheroics has nothing to do with Smallville or its long-running continuity, but uh, now they're starting to create a world of shows crossing over with each other, most of them anyway, and generally it's regarded really well. 
It feels to me that what DC's doing on the small screen is what Marvel's done on the big screen. They started with one property that kind of succeeded or failed on the story that it was telling, and then as it's continued to have more and more success and kind of hit the right notes, they've been able to weave more in. And according to, it's funny, you mentioned that, you know, not all of them seem to be able to cross over. According to the star of Arrow, there's room in all of their contracts that they can cross over. It doesn't matter the network, doesn't matter what. Well, unfortunately, the networks disagree with yeah, you, I was but, say, but we'll, we'll get believe... into that later. So, I mean, I think a lot of it comes back to when Jeff Johns started writing for Smallville. And at that point, he introduced the more obscure elements of the DC Universe, which at first you might think, well, that's not going to be a good sell for, you know, the general viewing public, but actually elevated the material that had been Villain of the Week, generic, bland, boring. The episode he did with the Justice Society was yep. the first Smallville episode I watched in years. I oh, quit well. after the first season because it was so bad. Yeah, sure. Yeah. But I mean, you see that now carrying on to things like Arrow and Flash, which Jeff Johns is specifically involved in. I know that. And the elevated material and the humor. And I think this is what it comes down to. A lot of the shows have a sense of humor like the Marvel movies. Right. Whereas the DC Cinematic Universe <laughs> oh lacks all humor and joy and brightness and color and everything good. Yeah. It is essentially a Nazi state is what you're saying. <laughs> yes. But Man of Steel had a lot of good things going on but nothing that mattered uh. it was truly joyless and then we have all these speculations things like suicide squad which should be a fun film but seems at first glance to be getting everything wrong oh my god i mean and, and it, we can't judge too much by the pre-release unofficial yeah. this and that and the one cast shot's the only thing official right but it does seem like it has no joy no fun dc comics to me were always about the bright colors the archetypes not the humor as much, but certainly a sense of joy. And, and the, of wonder. It's, it's of wonder. superheroes, for God's sake. Yep. And the fact that DC on television is getting it so right is just an indicator that DC in all of its other mediums could use to, well, you know... Flash is, I think, the first character I've seen on TV, superhero, that seems to just love being a superhero. Even Smallville, I don't think... Clark Kent was that. very troubled. Yeah, yeah very like troubled. A superhero regret type and, of a thing. And, and admittedly, Arrow is not the place where you're going to have Ollie Queen flinging himself around joyously through the city. Whee! And And really, to be honest, Arrow isn't really the traditional Green Arrow. It's really more of a Batman modern yeah. take on Green Arrow. Well, hence, they didn't call the show Green Arrow. Right, exactly. <laughs> but I really do love how Flash, like the main character, the side characters... Everyone in the story, even the villains, have a sense of panache, of joy, yeah. of what they're doing. Well, Flash Flash to me is like the ideal superhero TV show that's out there right now. It started the right way. It is bright. It is colorful. It has embraced everything that is goofy and fantastic about both the character, it, the character's history, both in the comics and in the TV continuity as well. The fact that Grant Gustin, the current Barry Allen's dad in the show was the Flash from the original TV show. Right, and, and Mark Hamill recently reprised... As the trickster, the, and when they're showing oh. scenes from like his, his crimes that he committed before going to prison, it's shots from those episodes. Which is crazy. Which look awful, but still, it's well, very It's purposefully awful, and it's exactly. wonderful. Yeah, no, Mark Hamill's turn on that, which... I, I, I guess we, we should point out, there was a Flash show in the 90s for a couple years, maybe? Yeah, no, I, I, mean, I, I saw it. Yeah. So that happened. If, if you weren't unfamiliar, that did happen. And it wasn't It was terrible. No, for the time, it was actually decent. Yeah. yeah. Now you look at it, and it's, yeah, it's awful. Now, what about Arrow? I've seen a little bit, and I personally love the fact that they got John Barrowman from Doctor Who and Torchwood, and that he is a major villain. And yet every clip I've seen, because I haven't been keeping up with Arrow, he just looks like, again, he's not completely joyless, even though he's kind of a bad guy, badass. Mm -hmm. He seems like he's still having a lot of fun. He's John Barrowman. That's yeah, what you no, expect. What you mentioned right there, Doctor Who, there's actually a lot of crossover with these actors from other nerdy shows. It feels like the people who are running the DC shows are mining, actively mining other nerdy programs for the benefit of these DC shows and the notoriety of them. Like from Doctor Who, uh, you got Barrowman playing uh, Malcolm Merlin, Laurel and Sarah Lance's mother in Arrow as you know, River Song, Rip Hunter, Rory from Doctor Who, tons of Spartacus actors, Deathstroke, Weather Wizard, Amanda Waller, Nissa Al Ghul, and Captain Boomerang are all actors from Spartacus. Battlestar Galactica. Farscape got a dude to oh, make yeah. his way over. Yeah. Ben Browder showed up in the first season for like an episode and then he got killed. Oh. <laughs> Which, you know, seems to be Ben Browder showing up in other sci-fi shows. But Pretty much. <laughs> I mean, everybody there is embracing what they're doing on the show. Even if it's serious, well, even if dark it's not, material. it's dark, yeah. I mean, the whole premise of Flash, which is the modern premise, is somebody, the reverse Flash, kills Barry Allen's mother, yeah. and that's what sets him on this path. 
And so that's dark. They, they don't pull punches with that. I mean, well, it's pretty brutal. Arrow, yeah. Arrow is still a significantly darker show. Sure. I mean, from Inception, because when it starts, Oliver Queen is killing people. Right. Like, oh, that's straight true. up. Yeah, he yeah. is killing people. It's yeah. not until the end of the first season, because he just goes by Arrow. By the end of the first season, he's embraced the green Arrow. And yeah. is starting to move forward with that. And you get his cast of characters. It's become more of an ensemble show as it's right. continued. But one of the things that it did and that all of these shows has done very well is kind of woven in the continuity that people know mm-hmm. in ways that aren't. It's it's a wink and a nod without being like, hey, well, I got you there, buddy. I love how in Flash, Cisco seems to have the job and it's kind of a jokey job of naming the villains. Yep. The villains oh, yeah. don't typically name themselves. In fact, one of them actually asks Cisco. Well, what's my name going to be? Yeah. You know, and admittedly, Golden Glider is probably one of the more lamer names that they actually kept. But um, the villains, like I said, like the guy that plays Captain Cold, weren't with Miller. Yeah. Amazing. Like he chews the screen as any good villain, I think, in this kind of show should. Mm-hmm. But in a, with a sense of style and, and, and purpose. And he likes being a villain. Well, the second he hears the term rogues, he's like, yeah. Oh, my God. That was I, <laughs> I lit up like that. a Christmas tree. I was no. so excited <laughs> by that. The thing that I wanted to bring up, and this is something that I bring up to anybody that I'm recommending Arrow to. The thing that sold me on the show, on its ability to weave both what I know of the character and also do it in a way that's fresh, was their introduction of the Royal Flush Gang. Because Mm. the Royal Flush Gang in the comics is as theatrical and cartoony as they come, which really would have clashed with... Who's the Royal Flush Gang? The Royal Flush Gang is (laughs) I watch the show all the time, I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, Arrow, in the first season, there was an episode where there was that gang of bank robbers that all wore hockey masks. On the hockey mask, you gotta pay attention. They had playing cards. Oh, so and it was a subtle cards. nod. It was so a it wasn't, subtle nod. It wasn't me being dumb not no. noticing this. Yeah. <laughs> it was, okay. Like I said, it was an Easter egg. It was a wink and a nod to the audience without gotcha. slapping you across the, the Royal face. Royal Flush Gang was probably most prominently in a television show prior to that in Batman Beyond where they reimagined them as yeah. like this whole crime family of like, I don't know, they had they had costumes because it was Batman Beyond and you could get away with having a costume and it didn't look ridiculous. Well, then they and showed up in the animated Batman yeah. series and the Justice League series and they were always mm-hmm. very ridiculous, colorful villains. Arrow and Flash are leading the charge for sure, but there's more. Um, yeah. There's the much maligned Gotham, iZombie, which is based on a Vertigo book, mm. and uh, forthcoming, there's Legends of Tomorrow, which is a huge spinoff from Arrow and Flash, and then also Supergirl, mm-hmm. which, though set in the same universe, is not allowed to cross over yeah. so far. It's a weird situation with that. Berlanti is involved, and I know he's yep. one of the key through lines, but... Yeah, that's the uh, producer of all those, uh, Greg Berlanti. Greg Berlanti, and like it's amazing, because the trailers that I've seen of the Supergirl show, they don't look anything like the other shows, they're more, and this might just be the upfronts, they're pitching it as like the devil meets Prada and then Smallville sort of thing. And, you know, the wink and the nod to the fact that there is a Superman in this universe, of course, mm-hmm. but they're not going to show him. It's going to be that sort of vague, oh, there's that guy, he's my cousin, da da da. But I mean, I really wonder if Which the show... Which is weird. It is weird. And I wonder if the show, as it may or may not falter, they may need to go more to the continuity. Because that's what happened with Smallville. Smallville really struggled for a while. And I think when they started reaching into the continuity of the character and doing more than just Villain of the Week, it started to get its legs. Yeah. Same thing with The Flash, although from the beginning, the writers knew they wanted to delve into continuity. And Arrow as well, of course. Yep. Gotham, I have to say, to save our listeners time, Gotham is awful. <laughs> and uh, of all of the shows that we talk about in this uh, episode, you have to realize that it is a completely different creative team, and it is going to hew a little bit more closely to the DC Cinematic Universe in that a lot of stuff is sort of dark and gritty. But what and, kills and it is me, 100% standalone, right? Totally standalone. Yeah. But what kills me, oh, and so, so we give you a little background, it is a Muppet Babies kind of thing, right? Oh, yeah. It's... <laughs> the idea that it's very young Bruce Wayne, I mean, just lost his parents. It's from well, there. it's pre-origin. Like, yeah. It's a time when who cares but, about it? Well, it's, the thing, it's, exactly. it's pre-origin, but it's not. Because they're also saying like, hey, look, this is the origin you didn't know was the origin. Yeah, the Here's secret this origin. forensic scientist. His name is Edward Nigma. He's right, a riddle. Every single Batman movie, they give you the origin stories of every single villain that shows up. And the cartoon does like pretty similar stuff most of the time. So I don't see the benefit here. It's, Welcome to the problem with Gotham. But see, the premise by itself, like I felt like Gotham, and I've seen the whole first season, they had a chance to do some really good mafia, like mob boss sort of warfare thing with the the Falcons and the uh, Maroney families. And like having that 
great like back and forth between them. Even characters like Fish Mooney, completely made up for the show, had a real potential to be something interesting, and they squandered it well, with ridiculous dead end storylines. They didn't develop characters in any way that made any shape or sense. They introduce Gordon's girlfriend, Barbara Kane, mm-hmm. and you think, oh, okay, Barbara, this is where his daughter's name comes from if you're a fan of DC. And instead, they take the character off into Crazyville, and she becomes a, like a killer by the end of the whole damn show. It's like, <laughs> what are you trying to do here? I believe the, uh, the same producer or uh, showrunner who did The Mentalist and Rome, which Rome was very well-received and very good show. Mentalist, I don't know as much about. It's a poor man's psych. Okay. I don't know. I don't feel like watching the show. He had a lot of control over his writer's room and it was sort of a loose, maybe he's doing other shows. Maybe he just kind of let things run, but it's almost like the Ryan Murphy showroom where, you know, people just go, Hey, what if we try this today? All right, we'll try that. And it doesn't work. And it's just gone the next episode. Like there's just too much independence storylines that don't seem to go anywhere. By the end of the first series, something did happen. Things did get changed but in a way that just felt very non-organic and, and sort of forced. And the acting is just ridiculous, too. I can't well, get past the acting. There was, there's one thing I want to touch on that you had mentioned, that had they done it as a crime show, mm-hmm. the, this is jumping houses a little bit, but Marvel with Daredevil, the showrunner, said that they set out to make a crime show, yep. first and foremost, that had a superhero. Well, in it. Right. E- even if they just did like, oh, we want to do a show about Gotham, but we're only going to, we're going to focus on GCPD. We're going to focus on like the street level right. stuff. That would have been and, and so have it, fucking have it not cool. be like this bullshit origin shit no one cares about. Because, right. I mean, especially with Batman, folks are done oh with origins. God. They've not, done it before. In comics, so many times, successfully right. doing miniseries or standalone arcs about Gotham police. It's ridiculous they didn't attempt that. No, if I had gotten a Law and Order with Harvey Bullock yeah. playing the Jerry Orbach role, how oh. I would he I <laughs> no, and I was already on board for that right. because the idea. First off, I love Donald Logue. Yeah, and uh, him playing Bullock, I was sold on. I haven't watched. He's a one episode, of the best but, parts of the show. Well, of course honestly, because he he's Donald fucking Logue. I mean, his character, his through line is pretty consistent. Initially, he's off kind of as a corrupt badass cop, whatever. But they rein him in and become the the Harvey that we all love now, the Bullock. So, like, he's fine. Gordon, you know, the guy that plays him, and I can't think of his name, but he was in Dawson's Creek, I guess, and way back. Like, he just doesn't act. I think he just grits his teeth and makes weird facial expressions all <laughs> so the time. So he's been studying Christian Bale. Oh, God. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot of that. And I, and I hate it because Alfred, played by um, Pertwee, the third Doctor's actual son, Alfred's a badass, and he's definitely like, if you've read The Earth to uh, yeah. Jeff Johns, it's very much in that sort of British secret intelligence sort of background badass. But the kid, the guy who plays Bruce Wayne, is just like a little pent-up, whiny, self-entitled rich bitch. And he has these misadventures with Selina, you know, proto-Catwoman. Yeah. And they're just, they don't, again, they don't go anywhere. It gets into the politics of uh, Wayne Enterprises, which at this point there is like intrigue and they're actually into some bad things. And they, they touch on that and then they go away. So the kid just gets trotted out every now and again. And just by the end of the season, they basically have him discovering that his dad had a bat cave. That's really where the whole damn thing goes. Oh. It's stupid. <laughs> hey, guys, it's remember stupid. Batman? Batman's in the show. Batman, Bruce Wayne. It's about Batman. Exactly. It's about Gotham, but it's got Batman. Exactly. Don't worry. Batman's still here, guys. If Batman makes his money. I'm going to print a dollar bill with a bat signal on. Everybody's going to love Batman, Gotham, Batman. <laughs> and the best parts of the show really are Enigma, who actually is excellent in the role that he's in and has some sort of organic kind of going from this CSI guy mm-hmm. into this, like, you know, by the end of the first series, he kind of has made his first kill. He's realizing what he really likes to do. 
And the penguin. Oh my god, the penguin is the star of the show. Even though he's this typical mafia sort of wants to climb his way up the top, he's just he's very entertaining. Love him. <laughs> Has he gotten there yet? <laughs> but he waddles. He does waddle. Uh, uh, I zombie. I don't think any of us here have, have actually watched it. Nerdy show host Matt Spill wanted us to say something nice about it. He really likes it. He couldn't be here to have this discussion. So I zombie is still on the air. Like, and it's done. It's doing really I did well. see one whole episode and it was very meh. Yeah, Matt stuck with it, and he likes it a lot, so that's at least one vote for it. Um, it was by Rob Thomas, who did Veronica Mars, which is a great show, and yeah. I think needed a couple episodes to get its legs, too. So I'm yeah. excited to try it. I might give it another shot, since, yeah. you know, Matchbox 20's involved. <laughs> <laughs> so then the upcoming shows, Legends of Tomorrow, which Looks is... Looks fucking incredible. Yeah, it's linked very heavily to Flash and, and Arrow, and... Uh, Victor Garber. Oh, you know, it's weird. They, so dreamy. It's a cool premise to me. They got some of the rogues, they got some heroes, they're doing time travel in the DC Universe, and... If you watch their like very long, it was like uh, a three minute tra- trailer. Yeah, mm-hmm. it set a production value that, that really struck me because DC is not afraid to express superheroics in their shows, whereas Marvel actually like for all their successes, they're constantly bashful about superpowers. They won't do it. They've been ramping up so incrementally, so gradually. It's at, at this point frustrating yeah. that they felt the need to start with Agents of Shield, where everything's generally pretty bland, and they suffered through that show for a while until it finally got good. Yeah. You know, and Daredevil's great because he's street level, so that's safe, right? But right. as soon as you throw in some actual like powers, they haven't done it. They really just haven't done powers. They always have to subdue everything. Like Thor is bit. an alien, not a god, or you know whatever. Yeah. Right. But this revels in it, and that's so great. The one thing that gave me pause was how. Really hard they're trying with that Rip Hunter Doctor Who they got oh there. Oh my god, Arthur Davril. Rory gets to play the Doctor. Oh my god, the Time Lords or the Time it, it, Masters. Like they, they got a prominent uh. character from Doctor Who to play a Doctor Who archetype that wasn't, I might add, anything like Doctor Who in no, the comics. No, it never no. has been. It totally isn't. And it's maybe really shameless. Be. But I mean, he does look kind of like a lot of the Rip Hunter depictions I've seen. And you know what? I'm okay. I'll give him a pass for that. If the stories are good and the ensemble looks great, the only thing I don't get is the white canary because I think that's yeah. A, I don't know yeah, what the fuck that is. Contrivance. I, that don't. seems like that's going to be a really big reach because she's been missing in the show yeah. for so long that. Well, that's you know the only what? part I that get, I'm concerned. I get more Brandon Routh as the Adam, and I am uh, absolutely okay with did, that. Did you Did you guys hear what recently sprung up that DC TV has no connection to the DC films, right. uh-huh. and it's good that way. It's in its own box, it? so technically it shouldn't be affected by the films. Except that it is. Okay. Because they were seeding a Harley Quinn plot in Arrow and were forcibly, that was taken away from them. Yes. Um, according to the woman who plays Thea Queen, uh, Willa Holland in, in Arrow, she said, we had big plans for Harley, something that must have come down from DC or some higher up and said, no, you must cease and desist because we're going to make it into a movie and we can't have anyone spoil that idea, which is crazy. They teased her in season two and in season three. And they had there was a deleted scene with her actually in season three. Wow! They and actually they even had Tara Strong, the voice of Harley, in every most recent. Yeah, she was she was the voice in season two. Then they yeah. recast her in season three. It, it's just crazy that that's happened. Yeah, I didn't catch the Harley references in Arrow. They were subtle, but they were there. I'm it, not catching any of these subtle things. <laughs> apparently, if there's a blonde with pigtails, then it's probably Harley Quinn. Well, I think they kept her in shadow in season. They two. did. She was actually seen on screen in a way, but you had to infer that it was her. It was okay. it was not directly seen. It was from the back. And so, so it's like on. more like an Easter egg than a right. thing. But, 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 they but, but to it, was, it was a conscious thread they were yeah. going to pick up. And now they're actually dipping away from Argus and Suicide Squad, who've been prominently featured in the show because of this film. Ugh. Which is despicable because they're taking away from something that's succeeding yes. for something that they hope will succeed, but honestly. This is why the DC strategy just to me seems so disjointed and it won't really work well. The Marvel approach has been so much more organic. And even though, yeah, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was rough at the beginning and Agent Carter had its missteps, overall, at least it's an organic universe that can build upon the successes of each property yeah. and not take away. I mean, away. because th- this is confusing. There's yeah. a flash in Superman versus Ugh. Batman Dawn of Justice. There's a, like, be good. There's no crossover here, and people love these shows, and people don't really feel strongly about these films, no. and they're just going to get confused. The Which, average moviegoer is going to get really confused. I'm even kind of scared, because let's say... Let's know. <laughs> let's say... It'll be okay. To, and I know this is a pipe dream. It's going to be all right. This <laughs> is a pipe dream. But let's say Batman v Superman is successful, and what? then they want to take that flash... What's going to happen to the TV show? Because if they're sitting there saying, oh, we don't want you to do this with Harley because we've got a plan for it in Suicide Squad, what does that mean for the characters that Greg Berlanti has been building 
I think that it's once it's established like Flash obviously is and it's successful. See, it has to be successful with the ratings. I don't think it's gonna hurt too much. But you're right. Like the Harley Quinn thing, it could happen again with a different if, character. If they if they want to do another movie on another property in the DC universe, they will restrict what the television shows can do. And that's okay because they can still do quite a lot. But damn it, that's just not cool. Yeah. It's uh, really it's, not. Similarly, Greg Berlanti, the producer, is struggling with CBS right now over Supergirl because the contracts do state that there can be crossovers, except that CBS says that, well, it's another network, and no, there can't. Ugh. As far as he's concerned, they take place in the same universe. I hear there's, quote, wiggle room as to maybe it could happen someday, right. but it's confusing for fans because yeah. they expect this. It's weird about the CBS thing because CW is actually a sister network to CBS and so that lack of a crossover there doesn't make a lot of sense which may be where the wiggle room comes in but I guess time will tell but I'll like believe the, it when the, I see the, it. this is actually it's, it's very public right here like this disagreement is is a public issue now which is strange totally playing the fan base to get their outrage and that'll happen <laughs> right yeah there's yeah. only one thing that spreads faster on the internet than a rumor, and that's hate. Oh. <laughs> one thing I'd like to add about the crossover thing is I'm kind of okay with there not being crossover between like the Flash, Arrow shows, and Supergirl, just because if they ever have a threat that's big enough, I feel like they could always just, oh, call up Supergirl, she can just fix it. Yeah. <laughs> I watched their like very very long trailer for Supergirl. I liked it a lot. I didn't expect to, even though it, it, it there were moments where it was pandering, and then it's like, but then it turned around like, oh yeah, but we're not as pandering as you think we are. I mean, it was for a different audience. I think they released it publicly, but it really wasn't for mass consumption. It was like an upfront kind of thing for advertisers who are interested. So it had that sort of here's everything we got. Here's our whole buffet table of crap. And <laughs> there was a tighter one I think that came out after that. I think did a better job for us. This means that Berlanti knows what he's doing. I, I think that's I can actually establish at this point. It's, it's <laughs> weird to have somebody in the DC camp, aside from Jeff Johns, that I can trust <laughs> right. with, with these characters. He does yeah. say he comes at everything as a fan. And I mean, Johns has been involved in a lot of these shows that have been coming out. Like Johns was very involved with the development of The Flash and it kind of, you feel it. But Berlanti, he runs the show. Mm -hmm. He's DC's Kevin Feige. Oh, and also, we, we didn't mention Constantine, which was a great show that got canceled on NBC, yep. but they are, in fact, looking for another network to pick it up, which is great that they're able to do that, because, you know, some contracts wouldn't allow for that kind of thing. Well, oh, and yeah, absolutely. I, to Constantine's credit, because I know we... I feel uh, bad. I feel bad we haven't talked about it until now. That's kind of <laughs> it's kind of messed up. Matt Ryan fucking owns Constantine. He is so on point in his portrayal of the character. He fits that role to a T as this blonde bastard who knows witchcraft. Hopefully we'll get more because DC television is worth fighting for. Yeah. Which I never thought I would right. say. I know. I know it's right? crazy. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense if I mean, it's not saying people, but coming out of the animated universe and how strong that was. Right. That they would have at least a better idea about TV than Marvel had. But now Marvel's catching up with all their shows. So DC, don't fuck this up. <laughs> <laughs> Please. We're going to cut to a track. And when we come back. I'll be talking with Aaron, nerdy show host and host of A Comic Show, to talk about the startling new changes with DC Comics. This song is from Sci-Fried's most recent album, Season 5, and it's about Arrow. So many cold and alone, unfed on the streets of my city. Victims of the greed and cause for those who love me. Those who are guilty 
Like I mentioned earlier in the episode, there's been some big changes with DC Comics, and these have only happened very recently, like in the past week. Ironically, all these big positive changes for DC come directly following a massive event that in true DC fashion, no one liked and was generally quite awful. It was called Convergence. Divergence. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's... <laughs> we know you're not going to like it. Uh, there's a, a thing that happened where Batgirl, the comic book, changed hands and directions stylistically drastically and the sales increase and the buzz online were so unprecedented for dc right that, for dc <laughs> right but not for anybody else right, right if it was marvel they wouldn't think twice about it marvel already had that with hawkeye i mean hawkeye was a, a big deal where they took the character and the creative team had full control to do whatever they wanted with but with dc it was so unique that internally they were calling it batgirling and they wanted uh, pitches from creators that were uh, blue sky pitches and they referenced it as batgirling like go yeah. in a direction that <laughs> so you know instead of just writing for your editor write for a specific type of fan <laughs> that would like this it's pandering but it's also allowing dc i guess the only thing dc understands is money they couldn't get the creative angle of it as to why it would be financially viable for them to do something fresh and original there's like no we'll do the same thing over and over again like a fucking mighty mouse cartoon and now they're actually actively doing things different because that could mean success. So we're seeing post-convergence, DC has launched a number of titles that are fun and vibrant and have stuff going on with them. Makes it a little bit more like Marvel. Things are kind of different. They stress that it's a shared universe, but things aren't going to be beholden to continuity. The story won't be beholden to continuity. So it's a little bit of doublespeak, but if we get better stories and better books from it, I'm fine with that. <laughs> For example, Batman died recently, <laughs> again. It was well done this time, though. Yeah, I liked it both times. You're right, yeah, but this time it was both him and the Joker in, like, some type of Romeo and Juliet type of, like, double death it, craziness. It was writer Scott Snyder doing what he does best, which is coming up with some crazy, crazy stuff and executing it. And you'd be like, oh, man, Batman, he's totally going to come back. It's stupid and impermanent. But it's a good story, and I think what we're about to see could be Batman's equivalent to what happened with Spider-Man and Dr. Octopus, because I'll, I'll talk about how great a superior Spider-Man was for forever. And, you know, that didn't last and it was never going to last. Mm -hmm. Now it's over. But now Commissioner Gordon is a government-sponsored Batman. Yeah, he's just Jim Gordon now. He got Lasix, he shaved his mustache, he shaved his head. It looks like he's been working out a lot. I mean, he's back in the game, and he's 46. He makes it known in this first issue, issue 41, that he is 46-year-old, people. I mean, and he's in this big old bat energizer bunny robot suit that, um, I mean, he can kick ass in that. It's like basically taking a police officer's squad car and making it a robot. They just created a RoboCop-esque story in right. the Batman universe with Commissioner Gordon and it doesn't suck. It's right. actually kind of awesome. And the average citizen has no idea it's Jim Gordon. Like, no one knows it's Jim Gordon in there except for a very select few government people. He's doing things that Bruce Batman couldn't do, which is inspiring people, inspiring the public, inspiring the police force. The general public is like, yes, we have this Batman that is protecting and serving us. Where before, Batman pretty much just, his MO was to strike fear into criminals. You know, like, he was there to make them scared so they stop being bad guys and from the first issue they made it so obvious that this is a whole new take on batman and it's worth exploring it's something that i think is pretty awesome but he does look like a big energizer bunny robot which he does talk about they <laughs> right. do they do actually address that it's issue the bunny in the room <laughs> <laughs> 
and we're, it's not clear how shared the universe is. There's a really good arc going on in Justice League right now where Hal Jordan is the Green Lantern, but in the Green Lantern book, Hal Jordan is a renegade lantern out in space. When I read the renegade issue... Oh, and, it's, and Bruce Wayne's still Batman. <laughs> yeah, Bruce Wayne's still Batman, and it's not the bunny Batman, and Bruce Wayne's obviously at least dead for now. So it can't happen now because Bruce Wayne's dead. The Green Lantern thing, uh, the renegade, that happens sometime in the future. Plenty of people got this issue of Green Lantern because it's a jump on point, and they're like, hey, what happened here? Why are all the Green Lanterns gone, and why is Hal Jordan wanted, and what are they talking about? It's like, I don't know. There was a jump in time. They didn't even tell us how much time had jumped. And, and while this sounds like, oh, man, this is going to be hard to follow, at the same time, it's also really exciting because DC is saying, how about we, for the first time ever... <laughs> Not for the first time ever, but the first time in a very long time. How about we just tell good stories? Right. And if you pick it up, you pick it up. And I feel like they'll make it work later. They say, like, okay, this is how before the Renegade thing, and I don't know what they're going to do with Batman, but they'll make it work somehow. You know, Marvel's done this plenty of times where it's like, well, how can Wolverine be here when he's over here? And they're like, hey, once the story's over, you'll see how it all fits. But until then, we'll have things published at the same time with characters in conflicting parts of their life or life alive dead different costumes whatever and you'll just deal with it because it it's not all happening now but it is all supposedly canon as of this episode's recording aaron and i got a preview of batman 41 but beyond that we're only talking about the first week's worth of books post convergence but there's been a lot of good content it's not all perfect for example anything written by dan jurgens just don't even trouble yourself with batman beyond unfortunately is a shit show it's not Terry McGinnis because, you know, what happened in uh, Future's End that I don't know if anyone read all the way to the last No one, don't read Future's um, End. Don't even look into that. It's not but, worth But, you know, time. like, I don't know if people read it to the end to know what's going on with Terry. I very gone. much doubt they did. And I didn't. It's not what the people that like Batman Beyond want, I don't think. I, I can't speak for them, but... I, I can guarantee you, <laughs> we don't want that. Okay. All right. <laughs> That aside, I think everything else that I read was pretty good. Omega Men, I didn't know what to make of in the first issue, but it has something to do with Kyle Rayner, so and it was also really it was unconventional the way that right. their narrative was really strange. And it's so I'll cool. try it out. It's cool to have this sci fi that is political, you know, the best sci fi is always political in nature, in my opinion. And also the guys aren't like heroes. They're they're basically like ISIS. These are terrorist protagonists. But one thing that's kind of a misstep that I think of with DC is that they did these eight-page samples of the new books, right? Right, and they, they were in the back of all the Convergence tie-ins. Right, and supposedly they were free to download on Comixology. Maybe they were free on DCComics.com, I don't know. But then DC just assumes that since they put them up free somewhere and put them in Convergence that everyone read it. And I'm sorry, but that's just not the case. Like, no. someone coming cold to Omega Men that didn't read those eight pages be like, what the hell is this? Oh, yeah. And I read those eight pages, and it was still hard to grasp. I'm going to give it a couple issues. No, but I'm not saying I didn't like it. I'm just saying that when it's collected, I would bet money that those eight pages will be before this issue. Right. right. And they weren't in the front of this issue, and they just assumed that people had and, read that. And here's why we're giving this book that you've never heard of so much time. Because it starts with what looks like, say, an Al-Qaeda video with like a, a captured dude with a bag over his head. It's but it's like ISIS now. Let's sure, sure. Okay. okay, I'll be up to date, yeah. But, <laughs> they have the flag in the background that kind of looks with the <laughs> Omega symbol that kind of looks like the ISIS stuff. So they've got, they're doing this. They pull a bag off the head, but in space. They're yes, doing yes. this. And it's Kyle oh, Rayner. I forgot to say in space. Yeah. It's sci-fi. Yeah. <laughs> it's not in the desert, y'all. <laughs> and it's the White Lantern, Kyle Rayner, and it looks like they kill him on air. Yeah. That's... And you don't get that with the first issue. Yeah, no, you, you just, you don't know what you're getting, honestly. But that's a book that I'm on the fence about, but could be very good. But meanwhile, there's awesome books that are just out of nowhere, like Bizarro is a great funny book. Yeah, written by a humor writer. So, I mean, it's not that hard, you know? Like, right. when Marvel does it, you know, they want to do Squirrel they find, like, well, who's a good humorist? And they don't just say, like, well, who do we have on our payroll, you know? So, <laughs> That's but, how it is, yeah. Yes, Bizarro was fun. It was a fun book, and it has its, its purpose, and if you want a fun, funny book, it's there for you. So, Action Comics was great. Action Comics was fucking amazing now okay there's been plenty of stories they've been like let's take superman and let's do something real different with him mm -hmm. but this time they were like all right so superman's powers are spotty at best right relatively depowered he's much weaker he's kind of where he was when he, he just lead. started yeah when he, when he just started <laughs> getting his powers like he can leap tall buildings in a single bound barely mm -hmm. and to make matters worse 
everyone knows he's Clark Kent, and Lois did it. Yeah, Lois outed him. And what's been written, it's kind of like they zigged when we thought they were going to zag. They're like, Superman's got new powers, y'all. You think he's OP? Well, now he could do a solar flare. And then instead, what we get is a very much underpowered Superman now. Yeah. Which may have, maybe because of the solar flare power, just putting so much of his stored solar energy out there that now he can't even fly. That's some speculation on my part, but one thing that I liked about the Superman and this silly costume with the old school uh, Superman symbol from the Flesher cartoon, the internet went crazy when they saw this, and they're like, it looks stupid, it looks like you just bought a t-shirt and put it on, it's so stupid, (laughs) like you just went to a store and bought a Superman t-shirt and put it on, and you know what, you dumb internet trolls, he did go to a store (laughs) and bought a t-shirt with a Superman symbol and put it on, deal with it. He went to a truck stop (laughs) and bought a (laughs) t-shirt. He went to the Flying J and he got a Superman (laughs) t-shirt. And That's it was awesome. Happened. This is the first time that someone's written a down-to-earth Superman story that it's actually been worth a damn. Some of the police are, like, against him because of all the trouble he's caused as a superpowered individual. Right. And meanwhile, the neighborhood where he was living in were like, you protected us in secret. We love you. They call it the neighborhood Kent Town now. Right. <laughs> and, you know, we've had stories where Superman decides, like, I'm not going to use my powers because I'm not in touch. And it's like, oh, I'm going to walk the earth, you know, whatever, like the JMS stuff. And this is like... He has to walk and jump, you know, like there's just something. And ride a motorcycle. Yes, there's just something a little bit different about that that, uh, again, like you said with Batman, is worth exploring. It's like they're coming up with these new takes that are worth exploring, that are worth our time and worth the writer's time and and worth going in the direction with that character. I'm going to remember this. Right. I'm going I'm to read this, this Superman story, which could, and as many Superman stories are, be completely disposable. I'm going to remember this one. Right. That's a huge difference. Truth. <laughs> and last but definitely not least, Midnighter. A real surprise turnout. Now, when DC started their New 52, they absorbed a bunch of titles that were previously under the Wildstorm label, like uh, Gen 13 and so Wild on, and Grifter. And that, yeah. yeah, and they didn't really get a chance to do much with them. They they played around with them a bit, and some cool things happened, but really, they underutilized the exciting dynamic of allowing these characters to play in the DC universe as a part of it. Yeah, I mean, that's what, ever since um, Wildstorm came to DC, and not just in the New 52, but they were these books that kind of pushed the envelope. They put these edgy writers on, and they were kind of mature reader superhero books when you're talking about Stormwatch and Authority with Warren Ellis and Mark Miller came on that. And in a way, it's kind of like the ultimate books for Marvel, where they were doing all these edgy, groundbreaking things, and then Marvel decided, like, why don't we do this with the regular books? Like, okay, cool. And then the Ultimates was just like, what's the point? Right. So <laughs> it's not exactly the same way with DC in that they were no longer mature reader. DC gutted all this stuff. They're like, oh, we don't want to see Midnighter and Apollo kiss on panel, and we need to tone this down and yeah, tone that down. We should add that Midnighter is one of the handful of openly gay superheroes. Although in this case, he's an openly gay vigilante. When New 52 launched, one thing that Dan Adio said at this um, Retailer Roadshow was they had 52 different books and they were all the same flavor. And these Wildstorm characters, part of their DNA is edginess. Part of their DNA, in my opinion, is hyperbole. It's over the top. You right. know, that's part of who they are. It's not like, you took Batman and you made him so much over the top. It's like, no, Midnighter is an over the top Batman. Midnighter is Batman to the extent of hyperbole because batman is sort of gay midnighter is actually gay (laughs) (laughs) batman has a bunch of different ways to destroy you before you even get into battle and he'll win everything and he has everything planned out he has all this strategy and midnighter does but he has to like be braggadocious about it he has to like literally talk shit like i know 15 ways to kill you right now and one of them is a way that I can just talk shit for three panels and then do it. And that's the one I chose. You, know, like, so, you, you read it, right? Yeah, it was great. Midnighter is a fun comic. When I read parody stuff on Batman, they do things that Midnighter does. Like where he literally says, the fight was over while you were still in your mother's womb. You know, <laughs> like you're bleeding out right now while I'm talking and you didn't even realize. I mean, <laughs> and this is, this is what happens in a Midnighter story. And I enjoy it. <laughs> So that's our show. If you've got thoughts on the new DC books, let us know on this episode's page or on the Nerdy Show forums. Keep an eye peeled to nerdyshow.com in the coming week because we're going to be posting a ton of content. We're going to the year's biggest gaming convention, E3, and we'll be reporting back in articles on everything we see and play there. And then, that following weekend, the 19th through the 21st, we'll be haunting the halls of Heroes Con in Asheville, North Carolina, our favorite comic convention. 
So if you're in the area, come out to the show and keep an eye peeled for myself, Brian from Flame On, and uh, maybe even Mr. Brian Clevenger, creator of Atomic Robo and Nerdy Show co-founder, who, I might add, along with Atomic Robo co-creator Scott Wegner, just concluded a massively successful Kickstarter to get Atomic Robo reprinted in hardcover. They were looking for $70,000, and instead, they made $184,000. And the world is a more awesome place for it. But of course, you can read all of Atomic Robo at atomic-robo.com, and you can listen along with our behind-the-scenes podcast at nerdyshow.com slash atomicrobo. And that's a show that's on hiatus right now, and we want very badly to bring it back, but we're going to need your help to make sure that we can afford the editors we need to bring it back. If you want to help support the show, Resurrect Atomic Robo Nuts and Bolts, Nerdy Show Book Club, Pokeballs of Steelix, you can find all the various ways to support the network at nerdyshow.com support. But for only two weeks more, there's a way for you to support us that just requires the click of a button. We're in a contest to win a $100,000 grant from Mission Main Street and Chase Banks. No assurances, of course, but the one thing that can leverage this is your vote. All we need is for you to click a button, voting for us, and we're one step closer. As a grassroots organization, by fans, for fans, a boon like that much money would be huge. So please, click our button. Just go to nerdyshow.com grant, and you'll be forwarded to the voting page. Thanks so much for listening. Taking us out is a track by Spoiler Alert, a side project of Eddie Argos, the lead singer of kick-ass indie band Art Brute, where he and his friends play songs about DC characters. This is Batman. show if you like what you heard please rate and review us on itunes or like and follow us on soundcloud as listener supported entertainment we rely on you to keep this and other shows on the nerdy show network alive by telling a friend or funding the network via patreon any contribution gets you exclusive outtakes episodes and images from across the network and there's even more perks available just head to patreon.com slash nerdy show To find out how you or your company can underwrite this or other Nerdy Show programming, visit nerdyshow.com slash sponsorships. You can also subscribe to us via iTunes and SoundCloud. Leave a comment, like and share, and follow Nerdy Show on all of your favorite social networks. For more podcasts, articles, community forums, and other awesomeness, visit nerdyshow.com. If it's geeky, we've got it covered. (laughs) 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.